On this episode of the Hustle of the Day podcast, I have Kristen Marquet. Kristen had a career in PR, which led her to three books about the topic and now has a boutique consultancy agency. You're going to want to listen to this one. Let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle of the Day podcast. My name is Trent. I'm going to be your host on this journey, but you're not here to listen to me. You're here to listen to my guest, Kristen Marquet. Kristen, I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, like I like we talked about before, you've got an impressive list of accomplishments, but I'm gonna not I'm not going to do them justice. So I'm going to have you jump in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your background. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun for me, uh, and I'm so excited to talk to you and share my story with your listeners. Uh, a little about me. I've been in the PR game pretty much my entire professional career. Uh, I started my business back in 2009. That was my first business. And I sold out in 2018. And now I do consulting for very high level entrepreneurs that are really looking to build their name recognition and their thought leadership online and offline, as well as speakers and if somebody wants to write a book, I will actually help them build that side of the brand as well. Okay, that's that's very good to know because that is uh, something that I I need to talk to you about because I am working on on a, on a book myself right now. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's a, something we didn't come up before. We, we'll need to talk about that later. But uh, that's very cool. So uh, I like that you mentioned that you balance the, the you know the online and offline. Uh, obviously, you being involved in PR for most of your career, uh, you you've obviously dealt with both. How do you? How do you balance that now? Because a lot of people think, oh, online's the way it's got to be. But uh, obviously, there is still a place for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you, you know, first of all, I think getting featured in the print New York Times or print Forbes, print fortune is going to carry so much more weight than getting featured online just from a credibility standpoint. And that's one thing a lot of my older clients say, you know, they're more interested in getting coverage in, in the print world. Mm -hmm. And it really does ring true in terms of getting leads and building your online footprint and doing all that type of thing that the digital sphere is good, but it's very competitive. And, you know, we can certainly talk about that a, a little bit more, but it, it's just, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've had clients come to me and say, Hey, Chris, you know, I want to, um, be a contributor to Forbes or I want to get featured in Inc.com, so on and so forth. And it's like, well, what do you have to offer that I can actually pitch to an editor or to, you know, uh, uh, an editorial director? And that's really what it comes down to is being unique and being able to create something that makes you pretty much stand out. And that's actually true for online as well as off. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you hit the, hit it, the nail on the head there of there is a lot of weight that is carried with being in a print publication, uh, whereas online, you know, somebody just has to click a button and you've got something out there. Obviously, like you mentioned, Forbes or Inc.com, they're, they're not going to do that for anybody. 
but it still requires a lot more of a process to be able to get in the print publications. So uh, for sure. And the same thing for television. Yeah, you know, absolutely. television is not a dying breed. You know, a lot of the younger generations, they're like, well, I don't want to be on TV. I don't want to be on radio. You know, my, my audience doesn't listen to the radio or they don't watch TV. And it's like, um, yes, they do, you know. And it, it really is so important to diversify your publicity efforts when you're an entrepreneur you know, not just in the digital space or just on podcasts, you know, you want to get in print magazines, print newspapers, whether they're uh, monthly, they're, you know, bi-monthly, they're weekly, they're daily, whatever it is, as well as radio and television and local television could be super uh, helpful as well. Yeah. And I think that brings up a, a good point of the, the stereotype that, you know, that the younger generation isn't going to be listen watching tv or you know things like that um i was there was a local realtor um uh, who was talking about uh monopoly came out with the millennial version of monopoly and it's they got rid of real estate and because you couldn't afford it anyway and all this and he had a whole commentary about how millennials are actually his largest growing segment of home buyers and so uh really is something that you do need to think about the, the diversification, like you mentioned. Um, it's not just everybody's in one place. There's so many niches online now and, uh, offline that, uh, you really do need to have your fingerprint kind of everywhere to be able to accomplish specific goals. Agree. 100%. I mean, you kind of have to be everywhere, but at the same time, you got to be very strategic in the way that you allocate your time and your resources. You know, we can talk about that a little bit more yeah. <laughs> um, because I've had clients too that have come to me and had said, Hey, Chris, you know what? I can't be everywhere at the same time, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, digital publicity, you know, print, whatever it is. And the way to get around that is figure out what your objectives are, make sure that you can actually achieve them. And once you do achieve them, then you can move into other areas. And that's why, particularly on the social media side, I know we're not really talking about that too much, but if a client comes to me and says, hey, you know what, Chris, I can't be on Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and TikTok, and you know, Snapchat and all these other places, what do I do? I say, start with one, master it, make sure your audience is there. And then once you have learned the nuances of the way that that platform works, move on to something else. I mean, it's, it's, it's common sense. So, and entrepreneurs have a tendency to get so overwhelmed so quickly with what they should do, when they should do it and how to be strategic. Yeah. And it's kind of the uh, shiny object syndrome too. It's like uh, I'm working on LinkedIn and oh, they're talking about TikTok. Let's jump over there and see what that's about. And it's like, oh, there's great reach still over on Twitter. Let's go over to that. And you know, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> I'm guilty of it myself because it's the shiny object syndrome for sure. Yeah, I think that's just human nature, though. You know, I think that the, the, that's the way that humans are programmed. You know, there's a, that element surprise where, you know, there's some level of excitement 
Um, but yeah, you, you have to be focused and you have to be disciplined if you want to be an entrepreneur and you actually want to succeed at this digital game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've got uh, obviously a lot of experience uh, in this field. Um, so I want to pick your brain a little bit uh, okay. about that, about you know the PR side. You've We talked a little bit before we started recording about you cultivating relationships with the right people. Um, how can you do that when people are both so available online, but then also it's hard to cut through that noise of, you know, they get inundated with requests of people wanting to talk to them. How do you cultivate those relationships with people? Well, I'm really glad that you asked that. It's a simple formula. I think that a lot of editors and journalists, you know, myself included, writing for Forbes and for Inc., people will pitch you a story that is self-serving or that really isn't interesting. Mm -hmm. Read the editor's column, figure out what they write about, figure out their voice and their tone, and then sit down and talk to your team or talk to your friends, talk to your family and get it, try to get an objective view of your business or your product or your service and come up with something that's newsworthy. And, you know, I have a million different ways to figure out what's newsworthy and what isn't. And, you know, I can share that in the show notes if you're interested um, because there are literally like a hundred of them. Um, And then once you figure out how that editor writes, the the type of stories that they're looking for, their beat, you learn a little bit about who they are, and you craft a pitch that's interesting, you're going to win, you know, 10 times out of 10. You you can't give an editor something that's self-serving or that's just full of fluff unless, of course, you know, you are a fashion designer, you know, and you're trying to get, you know, media coverage for Mm -hmm. a new collection or, you know, a new handbag or something. But uh, I'm telling you, every entrepreneur, if you are profitable, has something unique to offer to the media. Um, you, You just really need to look to see what makes you unique. If you don't have your value proposition, if you do, then you can craft your narrative around whatever your, your value proposition is, you know, and I tell clients this right from the start. Yeah. And I think it's really comes down to what you were saying, doing the research and, you know, figuring out um, the, the person that you're talking to and figuring out what makes them tick and not just blanket, send something out the exact same pitch to the, everybody and seeing which one sticks it's really doing the work and really crafting it for that specific individual for sure for sure and i can't tell you how many times that i've seen other pr people that work for larger firms blanket one pitch to 5000 different media outlets through cision or through some other you know some other uh, pr software program and me being on the PR side and also being on the journalism side, that just it pisses me off to no end. It's a, it's a bad practice. It makes you look lazy and it makes you look like 
that you haven't done your homework. PR, it, it's a tough field. Um, if you want to get coverage, you're going to have to work for it. And, you know, that, that that's pretty much <laughs> the whole song and dance. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really anything good in life, right? You have to work for it. For sure. Uh, Absolutely. So what's something somebody can do to kind of stand out uh, in such a crowded world of PR, the crowded world of, you know, online media, what's something somebody can do to help them stand out? Yeah. So you want to make sure whatever you're going to pitch is matches the tone and the style of the publication you're pitching or the television show that you're pitching. Make sure that your story actually fits into whatever, whatever beat you're looking for. Um, and the best way to find out what editors are writing about is by visiting the editorial calendar online. I can't tell you how many times, you know, my coaching clients are like, well, how do I find out what this editor is writing about? I'm like, did you look at the editorial calendar? No, I didn't. I'm like, all right, well, let's start there. Um, be able to find out what each person writes about and then craft a narrative that is just interesting and matches the tone of the publication and also matches the specific beat of the editor or the producer that you're going to pitch. Um, I know it sounds very abstract, but it really isn't. Um, yeah. You know, it takes a little practice, but once you kind of understand the way that the media world works and once you do start embarking upon the PR uh, or the publicity journey, you're going to learn. Um, yeah. It's really you know, it's not rocket science. We're not curing, curing cancer here. You know, <laughs> I mean, we, every PR person on the planet has to start from somewhere and we all pretty much start at the same point. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, we all yeah. start with nothing. Yep. <clears throat> Absolutely. It goes along with uh, what a lot of people say of, you know, building a, a following you, everybody starts at zero. So. Absolutely. You're yeah. absolutely right. So I want to dig in a little bit deeper into who Kristen is, but um, (laughs) to find out a little bit more about you aside from the business side, but I want to find out who was most influential on who you became today. Interesting. You know, I mean, I think I'm a composite of a lot of different personalities, Mm -hmm. but I would say in terms of my, my business sense, and becoming an entrepreneur, it's been my father. He was an entrepreneur. He was a huge influence on the success that I had. You know, he taught me the fundamentals of the way that the world works. Um, I would say kind of who I've become today on the personal side would be more of my husband. You know, I've learned to become much more patient. I've learned <laughs> how to listen much more. And I've learned how to look at things much more objectively than I ever have. You know, I mean, we've been together since the beginning of time. So, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, he, he's been a huge influence on me for, for the better because he is my better half for sure. Well, that's very cool. Uh, I, I totally relate to a lot of that. My, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my wife has definitely helped me become more patient. We just uh, celebrate our 12th anniversary here last week. And so congratulations. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, so I can definitely relate to you on that, that 
uh, she definitely makes me a better person than it sounds like your, your husband has done the same for you. So very cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, and a little bit about, uh, you know, before you started, uh, going out on your own, um, we talked about a little bit before kind of your background, you actually decided, uh, before you got into PR, you wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> apparently that blew up in your face and you decided law school was not, not the choice for you. Yeah, uh, for tell sure. us a, a little bit about that story of how, how that happened and how you decided to then go out on your own. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a very interesting story, but my first job out of college, I was a PR marketing manager for an international law firm. I thought it would be great for me to see how a law firm operates, um, what to do, what not to do, the type of marketing that you can do legally um, because there are very strict regulations that you can do within the law. Right. Um, I was there for a year. That was just not what I wanted to do. And at that point, I, was apl- I had taken the LSAT and I was applying to law schools. And um, I left that job. Was it, I mean, it was a great firm but it just, it wasn't the right environment for me. Mm -hmm. So then after I worked in consulting for four years, I was the head of PR and project management for the Northeast office. And um, it was great in the sense that I was able to travel and kind of see the way that the PR industry works from a global view. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the financial crisis hit, unfortunately, and I lost my job. And luckily, during the time that I was working in consulting, I I had three freelance clients. So I was able to bridge the gap between having, you know, like this great cushy salary and then having nothing. Right. (laughs) And, you know, within six months, I was able to scale up to a full agency, you know, and had 30 clients and was crazy busy and working 80, 85 hours a week, you know, I had just gotten married. So, you know, there was a lot of sacrifice there. Um, And then in 2018, I just decided, you know what, it's the perfect opportunity. Let me just offload this. And, you know, I've been kind of focusing more on the clients that I really like, love, you know, I have a few passion projects and really just focusing on self-development, you know, because in the 40 years leading up, leading up to becoming 40, I had never really had an opportunity to focus on personal development and, okay. you know, improving myself. Yeah. Yeah. Personal development is a, uh, a new thing for me too, over the last year, year and a half now. And, um, so it's, it's been a fun journey to go on that, but, uh, um, that's cool though, that you had that, you know, foresight that, you know, 2018, that was kind of the time that it was a good time to exit, um, your agency. And there's a lot of people who just kind of jump into their passion projects and whatnot. Uh, and obviously the financial crisis wasn't something you could have predicted, uh, but it, it was good that you still already had that momentum going towards that. And so at very, I guess uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but it, it's good. It seems like you're good at predicting these things without actually predicting them. So, <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting. You can kind of get a sense of, I, I mean, obvious. I, I, 
I knew I didn't want to stay in consulting forever. You know, I wanted to go back to school. I actually had pursued an MS in finance because at that point I wanted to work in private equity. Mm. Um, and then, you know, when I was working in consulting, I was looking at leaving the consulting realm and getting involved in investor relations for a private equity firm or for a hedge fund because investor relations is very similar to public relations, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're pretty much one in the same. Not, not really. Well, kind of. Um, and then, uh, it, it just kind of happened where I lost my job and, but I, I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do long-term. And I knew that from, I guess it was from after being in business for a year, I wanted to sell my agency. Okay. Um, and, you know, obviously it took a, a lot longer than, <laughs> than I wanted. Um, but you know, I was able to do it and exit gracefully. And, you know, with the, the last two years have, like I said, allowed me to, to focus on family, self-development, personal development, spend time with my husband, you know, travel some more for, for pleasure, not yeah. for work. And so it, it's been the best decision that I've made. But, you know, like I said, you can kind of, you can kind of predict to a certain extent what's going to happen. Not everything. Right. But I don't know. Maybe it's just a sixth sense. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be great if that's something you can develop, right? Oh, totally. It'd be amazing, right? <laughs> uh, so the question is, you've, you've had all these different ideas of what you wanted to do. Uh, what is kind of the future hold for you? What are, what are you working towards now that you've had a little bit of time to do personal development and travel? What, what's the future holding for you? Well, on the personal side, obviously family when, I mean, children, whenever that'll happen, um, you know, yeah. and uh, professionally, I am releasing my next book on April 13th. And I have a couple of, you know, passion projects that I've been working on. Femme Founder kind of started out as just kind of this small, I guess you could say, website or mm -hmm. blog that w was designed specifically to help startups get PR and how to use it for lead generation and how to use social media to get more leads and, you know, build awareness. And over the last, I guess, what is this? Okay. So is it two and a half years? It's kind of turned into um, a self-contained source of revenue. And, you know, it's, it's kind of my baby. And I plan on developing that some more. Um, I actually, believe it or not, this is, this is funny. I have um, a fashion and luxury website. Okay. A digital magazine is actually called e-nixie.com. Mm -hmm. That has actually grown into th this pretty good source of revenue and mm -hmm. have a number of contributors. And so that's been fun. That's kind of been more of just like, yeah, I guess you could say more of an outlet, a creative outlet than anything. Okay. And then I have a couple other small things, but nothing, you know, it's not, uh, I'm never going to start another agency. Again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have my consultancy, which is Marque Media, but I'll never start another full-fledged agency ever again. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, very, very cool that you've got all these uh, little projects uh, going on and that they're doing something for you. They're not just, uh, something that are that's passively there it's something that's actually contributing back to you and you know 
generating revenue. That's that's very important when you've got these passion projects, you know, because sales cures all ills, you know, it's (laughs) (laughs) in in terms of business. So uh, if you've got a passion project that you've been sitting on for a while and it's not generating revenue, well, then it's a little bit harder to get the motivation to to work on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but what do they say? Progress, not perfection. Correct. As long as you're making progress, yep. uh, you know, towards that goal, you can't really, I mean, I don't, I, I, maybe some people lose motivation, but you know, the small, the small incremental steps to success to actually help me stay focused. That's good. Yeah. Everybody works a little bit differently, but it's good to know what works best for you because then you can, Uh, tune into that and really accelerate by leaning into that where some people just don't know how they operate and that obviously makes it more difficult to accomplish things. Right. For sure. So you've, when you went out on your own, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Um, Interesting question. And for me it was, well, there were two, two prongs to this. Um, one was scaling too quickly. Okay. And I know that people it would say, Oh, well that's a good problem to have. No, it isn't because customer service starts to fall execution. Mm-hmm. Result, results start to, to wane and that's not good. So right. it was one thing. The other thing was, which actually ties into inadvertently with scaling too quickly is, working in any industry that came my way. Hmm. Um, If somebody in the legal field came to me and somebody that was a cosmetic surgeon came to me, I'd work with them. Right. Um, That was disastrous. So once I decided to focus on three industries, I was able to streamline and optimize and be able to fill my pipeline with clients that were actually relevant to what my passions were, what my knowledge was, and also just be able to provide the value that they expected me to when they first signed up. So, and now outside friends, you know, friends that refer people, Mm -hmm. colleagues that refer people, but my main two industries are beauty and wellness okay. and because that's what I get. <laughs> yeah. so. If you specialize in it, obviously you're going to be more passionate about it. You're going to understand it more, understand the nuances. You're going to be able to drive those results. So I totally understand what you're saying by you know taking any work that will come your way and the results don't end up being the same. So mm-hmm. uh, I totally understand how that is a problem and not just a, a good problem to have. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Especially flipping houses, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that's been an interesting one because uh, I'd, I'd like to work in specific markets, but the inventory is, is too low. So I do end up taking work that I'm not familiar with. And guess what? The results don't end up being the same. So <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> yes. Um, so what was a challenge that you expect that you never expected to take on um, when you were running your own agency? Oh, well, I mean, there were a lot, but I would say the biggest one 
that I learned really quickly on was how difficult people are. Okay. <laughs> I never understood how difficult and how egotistical some entrepreneurs can be, mm-hmm. especially the really young ones that think that they're going to, you know, be the next Lady Gaga. Not going to happen. Um, and I learned that you're not going to get along with everybody. You know, right. when, when I was in high school, when I was in college, you know, grad school both times, you know, I just got along with everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I may not have liked everybody and they may not have liked me, but, you know, I was cordial to them. Um, same thing in the business world. But once I started getting, you know, a diverse set of personalities that I was working with, it was very, very difficult to maintain expectations, to manage expectations. And, you know, there have been more, more often than not, I'd have to tell clients, you're not giving me anything special. Why should Vogue or WWD cover you mm-hmm. when they've got Louboutin, you know, they've got Jimmy Choo. Yeah. It just, so that, that was a really difficult thing for me to learn um, was dealing with very difficult personality types. Hmm. <clears throat> is that something you got better at over time or is it still something that's, that's hard to manage? You know, I think that maybe if I had, you know, 30 or 40 clients again, I think it would probably still be an issue, but I've learned to become much more patient. And I've also learned that everybody that walks through my front door isn't going to be, we're not going to have the right synergy. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to let them go. Um, It's okay to turn people down. But yes, in my old age, I've gotten a little bit more, um, yeah, I've gotten a little bit more patient. But like I said, if I had to deal with that many personalities on a daily basis, plus a team, plus the media, I think it would be, it would get a little, you know, I think it would get difficult for anybody, not just me, you know? Yeah. I think it relates between the two of, uh, you know, your biggest failure is taking on you know, people that were in, were in the right field. It's about saying no. Uh, it really is, you know, those difficult clients, those uh, companies that aren't in your niche. It's important to say no uh, rather than be a yes woman, you know, just, yes, I'll take on that work. Yes, I'll take on that client. And yes, I'll deal with all the crap you're going to throw at me. But <laughs> Uh So yeah, the importance of saying no, absolutely. And then the flip side to that is just really quickly, I can't tell Mm -hmm. you how many times I've had clients confide in me like I was their therapist, you Mm -hmm. know, and they would call me, you know, or they would text me these crazy things like this one's (laughs) having an affair, this one's doing that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I need to start billing you more because, you know, now I'm your therapist, but it's interesting. Um, uh, other publicist friends that I have um, that have agencies in other industries have said the same thing. You know, their clients hmm. confide in them like they are their therapist. And I think that that's just a little too close for comfort. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Throw down the gauntlet and say, <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. The, in some cases, the less you know, the better. <laughs> oh, sure. Ignorance is bliss a lot of the times. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so if you could start it all again, what would you end up doing differently this time around? Um, <laughs> question. Um, I would have, so if I could go back, I would have worked in corporate America a little bit longer. Okay. Um, just so that I could understand the management side of business and hiring and firing and training. Um, I did early on, I did have some issues with that, but then, you know, I kind of learned what works and what doesn't particularly for, for my group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would have stayed in corporate a little bit longer. I don't know if I would have stayed in consulting. Maybe I would have gotten a job at an agency just to kind of see how things work. I think that's my biggest regret. Um, and just not being so ignorant, you know, like walking, walking into starting a business, you know, in my late twenties, I thought I knew everything and clearly I didn't, you know, um, I I would just be much more well-equipped to handle running a business day to day. Right. That's what I would do over. I think uh, no matter your age, you're, you still have things to learn. So uh, in, in, to that point, you know, even in your late 20s, thinking you know everything, you do know a fair amount. So you might as well jump into it. So um, I, I think uh, I tend to jump into things a little bit too early myself. But <laughs> um, so I can relate to your feelings on that. But um, let's talk a little bit about your books that uh, you you've had and the books that you have or the book you have coming out um, here in a couple of days after this airs. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the books that you've already written and how they relate to this new one that you've got coming out. Yes, sure. Okay. So the the first book that I had written in 2015 is called Squash the Competition, Dominate Your Marketplace. Um, It's pretty much publicity 101 for entrepreneurs, that uh, aspiring entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that want to learn the fundamentals of the way that the PR industry works, the way that the media works. Um, it's pretty much just a very, it's a short book. I think it's only maybe 15,000 words, but it's a good primer for entrepreneurs. Um, and even, even in-house managers to learn the PR game. Um, this second book that I had written, which is called publicity jumpstart. I had co-written it with Michelle Lewis, who is an entrepreneur. Um, she grew up in Hollywood, like we had talked about. Um, and her portion was kind of more on the, the color of psychology and branding and how it relates to business and your personality. Whereas the, the back end, the later chapters were more about publicity, thought leadership, developing your online and your offline presence. Um, it was a little bit deeper and a little bit, I guess you could call it like intermediate PR, okay. if you will. The first book was beginner PR. And this third book that I have coming out um, on April 13th 
nameless to notable, how to gain influence, establish your authority, and reach expert status in your niche or industry. Um, this is kind of like a very short master's degree in publicity. It teaches you everything from how to craft a pitch, what to include, um, how to pitch a product for television or pitch yourself for television, how to find the right contact. It's a, it's a very deep book. It goes, you know, 30,000 feet under and explains the way that the industry works inside and out. So after you or somebody ends up reading it, they'll be able to say, okay, you know what? I'm really ready. I don't need to hire a publicist. I'm not going to waste, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month on hiring an agency when I can do this myself. Yeah. But the thing is, the caveat is you have to be willing to make the time. I'm not saying that you have to spend, you know, 40 hours a week on it, but it does require, you know, maybe an hour a day. Yeah. Um, and once you do end up learning the nuances of the industry, it's going to be great because then you're going to be able to do PR, get publicity for any product you launch, any company you launch. Um, whether you write a book, you're trying to get, you know, media coverage in Mashable for some type of software program. It, it pretty much, like I said, it's a master's degree, an abbreviated master's degree in publicity. Awesome. Unfortunately, uh, we're recording this uh, in enough time that I can read the other two before that one comes out. Because as we talked before, it's like I, I definitely want to dive into that. Uh, and I love the name, Nameless to Notable. That is just awesome. It, it's really what people want out of their business. They they feel like they're nameless. They want to be notable. You've, you've got it right there. So I'm very excited that uh, that's going to be out and yeah. um, excited for you to have your third title out there. And um, I'll definitely include a link in the description as soon as it's out uh, for uh, in the podcast notes so people okay. can uh, find it quickly and easily. Um, but you definitely strike me as the type of person who does get out there and hustle. And I want to know what is your personal definition of the word hustle? So hustle to me when I was younger was kind of like drug dealer. Okay. <laughs> um, pimp, hooker. Okay. Because, you know, you're hustling. Mm -hmm. But then once I got older and I realized that, you know, everybody's hustling, whether it's you know, trying to make more money, get more leads, you know, I mean, whatever it is, um, it actually has a positive connotation to it, not a negative connotation like it did when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, there's no harm in hustling your way to success. Um, it means that you're trying to make moves and you're trying to be pretty much be successful. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And yeah. success could be any way you define it. It could be having more money. It could be finding the right partner. It could be having family. It could be, you know, if you were sick and now you're not. I mean, success can apply to any aspect of life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. It can apply to any aspect. And I like, uh, you know, your, your version of that and, you know, with how it, used to have a negative connotation. You've 
understood it now has more of a positive connotation. And some people, honestly, it still is a negative connotation, even in the modern terms. They don't want to work all the time. They just want to be able to put in some hours and go home and you know, relax and not have to worry about anything, worry about their job at all. And, you know, hustle usually requires you to keep thinking about those things, even, <laughs> even in the off hours. For sure. For sure. But yeah. you know, that's what being an entrepreneur is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm excited that you took time out of your day um, to speak to me because really, like I said, you, you've got an impressive list of accomplishments. And so I, I feel honored that you were able to make some time for me. So I want to be cognizant of your time. Um, but I want to give you, before we get to the last question, I want to give you some time to uh, give any shout outs or, you know, where people can find you. What's, what's the best way to find out more about you? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, well, two places. One would be femfounder.co. Um, that's the business resource that pretty much has everything on how to start, scale, and continue to scale a business, <laughs> mm-hmm. regardless of the industry. Um, and then uh, Marque Media, it's M-A-R-Q-U-E-T hyphen media.com. That's my consultancy. Um, and if anybody needs help, uh, you know, whether you're in the beauty or wellness industry or you're an entrepreneur, um, really looking to scale up your media coverage and your visibility, feel free to drop me a note. Sounds good. And I'll make sure to include, uh, those links in the description as well. Um, but, uh, final question I want to ask you, and this is, personal business, whatever the case may be, what excites you about the future? Okay. Well, that's, that's an interesting question. I would say personally starting a family, very exciting, always been a dream of mine. So I'm very excited to embark upon that journey. Um, professionally, it's really just kind of cultivating the femme founder brand and you know, continuing to grow it um, and just see what happens, you know, see where it is. Maybe one day it'll be a huge hit. Maybe one day it won't. So I'm actually just really excited to see what happens with that. Yeah, that's very cool. Like you mentioned earlier, that's kind of your baby. That's that's the uh, a passion project, something you're really excited about. And those are always fun to, you know, see what it develops into, see what it becomes. And so... Uh, for sure. always exciting to see what happens. So I get that, that excitement for sure. Uh, but again, I want to thank you for your time and thank you for coming on the hustle the day podcast. And, uh, I really appreciate, uh, what, how we've been able to connect. And, um, I think we'll continue to connect after this. Uh, but I know I've gotten value out of this. So I know my audience has gotten value out of this as well. And I encourage all of you to take this and get out there and hustle the day. Hey, thanks for listening to the Hustle the Day podcast all the way through. I really appreciate that. I just want to let you know that I help small businesses with their online strategy. So if you or anyone that you know needs help with their online strategy and owns a small business, I'm your guy. Go ahead and connect with me at Trent V. Bray on Instagram or TrentVBray.com.